Hey, 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 Closet Busters and Bold Move Makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the Bold Move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. For any of us, whether we're gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans, straight, whatever, we have gone through childhood experiences that don't really serve us well, whether it's bullying or being treated like we have to be the perfect person. Maybe we've grown into that adult where everything stressed us out. And then before you know it, everything is one major shit show in our life. Chronic pain. We're struggling with everything that we do. And we feel very, very fragile. So what do you do? How do you break free of these sabotaging cycles that we find ourselves in front of? Well, today, my guest has really worked hard to work through all that stuff and to find her way through and to help other women. So girls, this one is for you. I know we do a lot of just general stuff and we do transgender stuff and gay stuff. And sometimes Rick forgets there's lesbians in the world too and there's straight women in the world too. Well, ladies and girls, this one is for you because she has a really specific approach that she uses to help women push through trauma and anything that is PTSD related, any kind of patterns that have been there for generations and generations and generations. So I hope you're ready to buckle in, maybe get a little sad, maybe get a little happy, maybe do a little introspecting and maybe a little like, ah, just fuck it. Let's just, let's go all the way in and let's learn. So um, I'm really excited to have Stephanie Cerrone here. And I don't know where we're going, but I can tell I've really enjoyed the little bit of time I've already spent with her and I know there's going to be some parallels to if you're coming out of any kind of closet in your life, the trauma that that's causing, you're going to learn something today. So welcome from down under, Stephanie Cerrone. Thanks for being here. Oh, what a beautiful introduction. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited too. Plus, I love I love talking to my friends down under. It always like reminds me I need to get my butt over there and and visit. Uh, getting closer, we're going to be there closer again. We're, my husband and I are going as far as Tahiti this next trip, so we're getting a little bit closer. But one of these days, we're going to like take a whole month off and come down to New Zealand, Australia, and like just kick about for a while. But um, speaking of kicking about, Absolutely. there's been a lot of kicking about in your life. It sounds like. Lots of little things yeah. that brought you to this space. So um, I'm going to let you kind of dive in. I guess the thing when you approached me and said, you need to have me on your podcast. She did not say that. She goes, would you have me on your podcast? Um, just the bullying and workplace sort of stuff that you started to bring up. I'm like, oh, yeah, been there, done that. And it did come from some of my accepting the patterns from childhood and then continuing to accept it into my adult life. So um how did this all begin for you, Stephanie? Like, well, you didn't yeah. come out of the uh, out of the womb like everybody. Please bully me, bully me, bully me, right? <laughs> I hope to God oh, not. It's it's a really um, interesting way that you put. Because I feel like I was born with a with a guide, like you know, make everybody like you. Um, mm. I felt like that was my mission, um, but I think where it really sort of 
became a big thing was when I was about eight years old. My mum and dad broke up. We moved to a new um, town with my mum and I started a new school. Um, and I realised really quickly that I was different and I didn't really fit into what all the other kids did. I was a bit of a tomboy and I like to sing to myself and things like that. And just it, it wasn't like I was a weirdo. It was just that I wasn't doing the things like that everybody else did. And I realised really quickly that unless I did change and did everything that other people expected me to do, I wouldn't have any friends. I wouldn't be accepted. I would be left out. And I think that the fear of being abandoned and, and being alone was so big for me that I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to be what other people expect me to be. I have to say what they want me to say. I have to wear what they want me to say, wear. I have to, like, be this chameleon in every situation around everyone and I would be so agreeable. I'll be the most likable person because I was just doing what I thought that they wanted me to do. And I took that my whole life. I, you know, it just didn't really save me from being bullied, to be honest. I was still bullied through school. I was bullied in the workplace. Um, I was also in a narcissistic relationship um, and, and treated really, really poorly there. And I didn't really have any sense of self-worth um, or confidence or self-esteem. I got my value from being accepted from others if people yeah. liked me then I was like okay I'm doing the right thing and yep. I put so much pressure on myself like to to be a certain way and um be perfect because I was like if I can be perfect there's nothing they can pick on like if I can be the perfect person there's nowhere they can get me <laughs> yeah yeah well it becomes a shield it becomes that shield to well not only to protect you but it also becomes a shield to hide behind as you were talking through that, I'm like, yeah, I can totally relate. I mean, I, when I get the opportunity to speak on stage, one of my lines is, you know, but I didn't want anybody to know who I really was because everybody thought, Rick, he's the perfect dad. He's the guy who's great to work with in the office. He's the husband that's going above and beyond. And he's that guy that will step up and help anybody. All because I didn't want anybody to know my truth. I didn't want anybody to see the real me. And so that was my armor. That was my shield. Like as long as, as long as all of this is up and everything looks perfect, nobody's going to know that I'm hiding my truth as a gay man. And I'm, you know, serial cheating on my wife or having these hookups with men and then brushing it all off and putting myself all back together again, like Humpty Dumpty and going, okay, all is well with the world again. Right. Yeah. This like is, this is what people see and this is who I am. And then it's that the feeling of, of knowing that you're, you're faking, like you're pretending you're not really you. And it, that's really depleting. That feeling really sucks. Yeah. One of the things I was in the middle of a coaching session years ago and my client said, well, I just feel like I'm faking it till I make it. And I said, guess what? You're faking it and you're never going to make it. You're never going to make it because if you're faking, there's nothing to go make other than heartache and pain and misery. And you're living that double life. And it's really difficult for many of us in the LGBTQ community. You know, this is our daily existence. But suddenly we don't we don't know that corner market on those feelings. I'm like, it doesn't have to be just the LGBTQ people. I have coached many other people from many other walks of life. We're like, yeah, if anybody really knew I wanted to like, I wanted to walk away from this marriage because it's not working. 
they would be like, what are you crazy? You've got everything. You've got the house. You've got a, a guy who adores you. You've got, you know, all these things happening for you. Go on these amazing vacations. And this particular client was like, yes. And I'm absolutely miserable. I'm absolutely miserable. And I'm all doing this because this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm yes. supposed to be. Expectations and feeling like we've got to live up to that or we'll we'll fall apart, our life will fall apart and people won't love us or respect us or treat us well or nicely. And and it's almost like that the fear of that happening is is worse than the living the current uncomfortable reality of our fake lives. But through all that, you brought up, you know, being in a relationship with someone who was narcissistic and then in work that you didn't love. But at the core of it, I almost feel like there's this sense of you were not worthy. You didn't deserve anything. Is that Absolutely. And I think I was accepting. I, I deep down, I thought I deserved how I was being treated because um, I didn't feel like I had a level of self-worth and self-love. I didn't love myself. So it, it was like, yeah, they see that. They treat me that way because I'm not worthy. Um, and I think that's where those patterns, those patterns come into it. And we continue, even though I was moving through my life and changing, you know, going out of school, changing jobs, changing relationships, that stuff is the pattern. So when I got to a, a good relationship, I had the pattern still of, I'm not worthy of this. Then I felt worse. I felt worse in my happy, loving relationship than I did with the narcissistic human that abused me because I felt like I deserved that treatment yep. and I felt like I didn't deserve to be treated well. This is such an interesting piece of the puzzle because I grew up with a narcissist too and still present in my life, my dad. And um, he's not near what he used to be. It still flares up to some degree, but I found as I created friendships with men, most men, very rarely was it women, um, the guys that I would try to have in my camp the most were guys who didn't really want to treat me the best in any way, but it, may, it was a comfort zone, you know? And then as I started dating, once I came out of the closet and started dating, I pretty much went through a string of guys that that's the way it was. And the guys that, as I built my business that I looked up to that were some of my best mentors. So this is where the twist kind of comes in. They were some of my best mentors, but they were also some of the people that reflected to me very much. So the characteristics of my father, like if I could just please them, if I could just please them, if I could just please them, things will be good. And the weird part of that was when I did please them and they'd recognize me, I went back into little Ricky mode. Uh, they recognized me, but I don't think that was enough. So let me try again. <laughs> and I was never satisfied. You know, I was constantly like, well, I don't think I'm still being good enough for them. Now, I also know from my own work on all of this, that there were pieces of them that represented so much wanting that adulation from my father. And it was coming from really weird spaces. Every guy that I was really trying to get this from, as mentors even, were men that I were was highly attracted to and very much like attracted to, like, like sexually attracted to, all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, wouldn't it be something? So yes, daddy issues, kind of, there we go, right? Until I unpack that, I'm like, this is complete bullshit, man. This is... <laughs> 
This is coming from all those years that daddy rejected you and wouldn't show you everything, right? And that moment, it wasn't just one, but I, there was one significant moment. I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not doing this anymore. I am not doing this. I remember standing up to one of my mentors and really in a very powerful way saying, you know what? You can have that belief system, but that doesn't work for me on who I am anymore. Yes. And I stood there really like literally shaking inside him. And then I'm like, well, what are you afraid of? He can't, he's not going to like fire you like you're an employee. You're not even paying him as a coach or anything. <laughs> you just happen to be working with him in his work. So the worst thing that could happen is he says, yeah, I don't need you in this work any longer. And by that moment, I had figured out, I don't want to be in that work with him any longer because I'd had that breakthrough, still appreciate everything I went through with him. But that moment was very significant because I'm like, okay, I finally, you know, I finally got some balls. I grew some balls. I'm like, this is where we're going. Right. But it's hard because we have convinced ourselves that we deserve this. And there lies the trauma. So as you started to really recognize this, what was the first things you started to see that said, this no longer works for Stephanie? This has to shift. It was, so I developed, um, I was really stressed in my work. I developed chronic pain and I didn't realize any of the stuff. Like I didn't realize I was a people pleaser. I didn't realize I was perfectionist. I didn't realize any of that stuff. Like that was my normal, like even though it was uncomfortable, that was my comfort zone. Um, it was when I developed chronic pain, I think that actually was something I couldn't ignore. I couldn't pretend that, like I couldn't, I used to pretend I was okay, but it's right. hard to pretend when you're, you're okay when you're like physically struggling as well as mentally. And that was the thing that pushed me over the edge, I think, Um it pulled me down into like a depression. I was really anxious. Um, just day-to-day -day things, I just felt like I couldn't cope. I I felt like I was drowning. Mm -hmm. um, and that made me realise just how how unhappy I was, how just I was just pushing and pushing and pushing and trying and trying and trying to be and I just couldn't do it anymore. And I... Um, was crying like I would cry myself to sleep I would go to my car in my lunch breaks and cry and that would be my lunch and then I would go back up to work um, and I remember just saying to my husband like I, I'm not okay and he was just like well what can we do and like he's he's just the most incredible person I'm just so lucky to have him and you know, I tried, I tried all the things, you know, I went to the doctor, I got referred to psychologists, to the chronic pain programs, to all these things. And I was doing stuff physically, I was doing, doing stuff mentally. And I remember saying to my husband, like, there's nothing out there that's going to fix me. Like I've tried these things. It's not fixing. It's feeling worse. Like I'm just bringing up the stuff over and over again. I, my stress is not leaving. I'm, I'm not feeling happy. I'm not, I've lost my spark. I've lost me. Like I'm, I'm not there anymore. Like she's gone. Like she's not there. And I did give up hope for a long time. Um, thankfully I found what I now do with women, which is called the creatrix method. I actually met the lady that created, created it in the Institute of Women International years earlier um, in a direct selling company. I was actually doing uh, like selling makeup and stuff years right. prior and I was still connected with her and, um, I was editing some videos and um, she needed some help with that. And that's just a hobby I have. I just love video editing. And she was like, 
can I just send you through some before and afters of some of the women I've worked with? And as soon as I saw the before and afters and the women that were talking about how broken and, and unhappy they were and you could see it in their eyes and, and they just felt, you could just see that they were carrying away the world on their shoulders and then they'd gone from that to just their spark was back, that their eyes lit up, they were smiling, they were happy, they were laughing about what they were talking about like before, that that wasn't even in their in their presence, in their world anymore. I just said that. I that's what I need. <laughs> I need that so much. And I I didn't know what it was, but I said to my husband, like, hey, like I think that I need to feel like those women. Um, I don't know what it is. And he's like, just just do it. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> yeah. It, well, and that's the thing is you just you do just do it. When I when I finally decided I was done with my career, <clears throat> it was a lot of divine intervention. I ended up coming, literally coming back from vacation and getting laid off the day I returned. And oh, wow. I was just like, okay, I just built this company, helped build it. I was the third employee hired. When I left my old company, I had been at the top of my game there and then got laid off there. I'm like, this is a signal something else is supposed to happen. So that was kind of the beginning of everything. But then... I wasn't happy with building my own business and going right back into similar stuff that I did being a marketing branding consultant. And I kept getting pushed. I kept getting pushed. I kept getting pushed to like do something to help my community. And I started being surrounded by other men who were coming out of the closet late in life. And then it's almost like it finally just had to slap me in the face and like, why aren't you doing this? You're giving this away for free. You're, you know, helping guys, which wasn't actually what coaching was. It was more like I was telling them, well, here's what I did. Here's what I did. But there was just this interesting thing, like, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And it was such a tug of war at first. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to surrender. I'm just going to surrender. And I think this is part of what helps us get past these moments of trauma and allowing, you know, really PTSD to continue to exist is that surrendering piece of, okay, yes, this happened. This has happened. This is what I was faced with. But do I have to live with it? No. Do I have to like roll around in it like a, a little victim in the corner, right? And it was freeing and liberating. Not going to say it was easy, but it sounds like in a very similar way, this process really helps women find their way through when they believe healing is impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mm. So what happened for you as you started to really step into this? Because obviously there was your own personal experience with it. And then suddenly it must have lit you up enough. That you're like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I really want to do. There had to be yeah. like some big shifts in all that journey. Oh, absolutely. Um, the biggest thing about that process is it works immediately and I wasn't, uh, I just didn't think that anything actually existed that worked that quickly because I've always been told as, you know, you've got to do the work. This is a long process. It takes a long time. Um, and so as like I, it was two sessions that I needed and all of my trauma, all of my anxiety, depression, it didn't exist anymore. I was looking for it. <laughs> like, come on. Like, like, where are you hiding? You got to be here somewhere. <laughs> and so then I was like, okay, well, then it, 
who am I now without this? Like I'm not hiding behind a mask. I don't fear judgment anymore. I have security and self-worth and self-confidence. Like what does this person do with her life? How does she live? Like because when you don't have that bubble you're living in, it's popped, you're like, holy shit, the world is massive. Like the world is like I've got everything, like all the ability to go out and create the life I want to live, I don't have to live by everybody else's rule book and expectations and things. So um, myself and my husband, we um, quit our jobs. Um, we rented our house out, sold everything in the house, and we just travelled around Australia for 12 months. We lived in a rooftop tent on top of our Nissan Patrol four-wheel drive and chucked our dog wow. in there. And we just went, like we just left. And it was the most freeing thing because it was just that, it was sort of that reflection of breaking all those expectations and and things and just living. Um, and I'd never thought I would, even once I'd fixed all my anxiety and stuff myself, I never thought I would help other people with it. Like it was just, that was never even in my mind. Um, but we ended up getting stuck over the other side of Australia during the start of COVID. Um, everything, Australia all like, it was just like pause. Everyone, stay where you are. Yeah. <laughs> do, do not move. Do not move. Don't move. Yep. <laughs> um, so that really gave me pause to be like, oh, okay. Well, can't travel. Can't you know do whatever. And then I was like, well, what do I want to do? And where am I? Like, where am I at now? I think the traveling helped too because it just it just gave you all that thinking time. You're not just right. working all the time. And that was where I was like, I can't think of anything better than helping other people that felt like I did feel mm. the way I do now. And now I was like, okay, well, how do I, how do I get licensed? How do I, do how do I actually do yeah. it? Yeah. It's the same juncture I came to because all these guys were asking me, well, how do you do this? How do you do this? I'm like, okay, well, this is how I did it. And then I'm like, wait, I really, I'm enjoying helping these guys. But there were moments I'm like, I wanted to slap some of them. Like you need to wake <laughs> up, you know? The reason you're having such a hard time with this is you're doing this kind of wrong, but I'm not going to tell you you're wrong just because that's not the way I did it. And I started realizing I needed some tools to work with, right? I needed to have a, like a, a nice toolkit to help, you know, if somebody was like, well, I can't love myself. Well, you can, if you can't love yourself, it's going to be really hard to come out of the closet and believe that you can find love and, you know, move on from a loving relationship that you'd already been in. And that's what spawned me to finally go, okay, you know, plus I'm like, I really want to do this. But if somebody had told me in 1999 that I was going to take my coming out journey, my divorce and struggles, finding a guy and all this stuff and turn it into a business, I would say, oh, fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about because I would have been <laughs> no too much in my own head, right? Like it was too present. Like I am struggling with this. But I think that's because sometimes we men process differently than women. This isn't news, anybody. Ladies, you're all probably sitting there listening going, uh-huh, we knew that. This isn't a revolution, Rick. I mean, hello, we've known that. But I know I see that when I have the opportunity to work with women versus men, even though some women I'm like, you're as stubborn as the last guy I just worked with. <laughs> but there's an edge to them where there's openness to, okay, let's move. And they sometimes will move a lot quicker. So what is something as you've worked through the process that you've recognized about women that helps them kind of journey through differently oh my gosh so we're just I think understanding that we're different so the processes like even just like 
talk therapy, coaching, hypnotherapy, all those things, they they speak really well to a conscious mind yeah. and a logical mind. Like, here's the problem, here's the solution, go do these things, implement this, and everything will be fine. But women, we struggle with consistency. So we're already gonna feel like we're failing immediately. Right. Oh, I can't keep this up. I can't do it. I failed. Oh, well then I might as well just give up because I'm failing at this. Like I'm not right. good enough. Blah, 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 blah. Like we just we add meaning to things as well. So it's we make things about us when they're not about us. We make things a big deal when they're not a big deal. Whereas a man doesn't really read into things as much. It's like, okay, well, this is what I've got to do. I'm going to do it because I want to get there. We sort of are almost backwards in the way that if we're trying to do all the things we need to do, if we're not feeling happy and confident within ourselves first, it's really hard for us to actually take the action steps. Yep. So women are trying to do, 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 but they're not actually working on being able to be, just be happy mm-hmm. with themselves so then they can go and take the actions that are actually right for them, that feel right for them at the time that's right for them. Same thing with our cycles. Like even women that have gone through menopause and everything, we have different times of the month where we're really energetic. We have different times yep. of the month where we're just get away from me. I want to yep. shut the world out. And we're trying to be consistent and just show up the same as a man would to just get in and get it done and, and like pushing through those times because that's the way sort of society's expects us to be. You know, you've got a full-time job. You've got to go there all the time. You've, yep. you've got you set hours. You've got to do that. You've got a family. You've got to show up constantly. Like you've got to do all these things. And women find that then they make some mean things about them that they're not doing a good job that they're not good enough and um same thing with the with the thoughts and feelings men are quite simple like it's like I'm angry or I'm happy or I'm confused or whatever it's like women have a massive emotional vocabulary we can say like we're pissed off we're frustrated we're overwhelmed like just in anger we can have so many different states of anger yep (laughs) you can be furious um, and so working with the way that women think and process emotions and things like that is is a unique it, it's it is we've got to work with that to understand how to how to fix it all as opposed to just being like, well, you're angry, this is how to deal with anger because in the moment when we're emotional, we can't logically think straight. It right. switches off like we don't have our um all of the things that we, all the intelligence to yep. to pull on it shut that bit shuts down our logical mind goes absolutely yeah <laughs> well it's interesting because you know because i work with well I, I work predominantly with men but i've worked with a lot of women coming out of the closet too but and i've worked with people from all walks of life but it's been interesting for me to see the nuances of what you just said men have a hard time getting into the emotion of why they're doing something they're like, we're going to do this. Okay, we do this. We're going to do this. We do this, right? Of course, yes. a gay, gay man can be like the biggest emotional wreck pieces <laughs> of wreck there are. But that's because I think there is that twist of our genes and stuff that like we have a little bit of that. And some guys are going to be listening to it. I don't have any feminine genes. I just like to suck dick. Okay, I get that. But, you know, <laughs> there's still this side of you, man, that you, there's a little bit of different stuff, right? Yes. I think a lot of men in general, gay men included, boys don't get mad at me here 
we kind of go, yes, we go from here to here. And then we go from here to here. It's either black and white. Yes, I know there's gray in the middle. We get that. But but as a masculine energy and masculine construct, we have been so geared that way. And yes, there are guys who are not hyper-masculine and they're not gay or they're not bi. And they really struggle with this too, but it's because we're trying to fit the box. We're always trying to fit the box. We're always trying to fit the box. Women who have always been gatherers and community and, you know, sisterhood. And let's, you know, let's, let's have the warm fuzzies before we go act, you know, act on something. It's really hard for them to go, okay, we're going to do all that. And then we're going to go fit the box and we're going to figure this out. So to be able to get into those just infinite layers of how, and I have two daughters, so I've definitely had firsthand experience with a whole lot of this. It can't (laughs) just be black and white. And I have learned to help a lot of guys go, if you didn't make it all black and white and you got into the gray and you realize you can't, you're not just angry or happy. What's in between those two? Because you're not angry constantly, but you're frustrated. You feel overwhelmed. You feel that like you're just pushing against something, but it's not full on anger, but you're pushing against something. You can't get it to release. And it's interesting, Stephanie, to see those layers just, oh yeah, I just discovered this and I just discovered this. So one of the exercises I've done with clients is tell me what you're feeling. And if they say something like angry or happy, I'm like, well, that's some bullshit. Give me something different. And they'll give me something <laughs> different, but it's not that much different. I'm like, well, that's still some bullshit. Come on, give me some. And and then they really do start getting angry. And I'm like, oh, well, what are you feeling right now? Well, I'm frustrated because you're saying everything's not working. I'm like, good, we have a different word. Now, what's another word that's different from frustrated and angry? It's so interesting to watch because I know what it's starting to do. It's pushing buttons. But what I'm trying to do is get them to think what else is in there? Because it isn't the standard pat answer. Like, how are you feeling? Today? Oh, I'm great. Bullshit. I can tell by the way you said great that you're not great. And I think this is what you're saying is if when you help women and do this and they get into those layers and that beauty of all that, once they land in like, okay, yeah, this is what I want. This is what I want to feel. This is what I want to experience. Okay. So in order to experience that, is that thing really what you want? Or are you just going for it blindly because this is what I'm supposed to go for? And it's such a beautiful yeah. experience. So, um, so the women that you've had the privilege of working with, what's one of the things that often happens for them after they've done this work and the experience with you? Is there like, I know there's myriad of things, but I'm going to assume that there's probably relief and lightness and excitement, maybe even some like questioning because when suddenly something's released, you don't know what the fuck to do with yourself, right? You're excited about it, but it's like, I don't know how to be this. So what's a common yeah. thing that you've seen them experience? Oh, it's it's very interesting because like a lot of the time they'll come in and think that this one thing is the thing that's stressing them out or this is the thing that I, they need to fix. But then when you move them through it all, like they just, it's not even an issue for them. And so then they're really focused on their future. Like, it's it's crazy like I work with emotions but a lot of the things I've helped women work women through is like binge eating because they don't feel worthy or deserving and they feel like they deserve to be punished so they punish themselves over and over and over again you know fixing 
you know, saying like, I don't guarantee I can fix physical things, but then them losing a heap of weight emotionally and and physically, when they go to the shops, they're not buying all the cakes that they can see and then binging on them at home. Like they're not even eating the things that they've got in their cupboard. They're going on walks. They're treating their bodies better. Um, and just the the ability to go out and do things. Like I worked with a woman that she was working in a in an industry with men and she was working with uh, truck drivers and things like that. And originally they had asked her, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? And she said, oh, maybe assisting the the manager and having some some people that I look after and then even we weren't even finished and she was like I can be the manager I've got the potential to be the be the manager I can create what I want to create and then after she just she was like no work's not a really big deal I actually feel confident in that field now um, I'm going to go start my own pet treat business she loves animals it's mm-hmm. like you think that you're doing the things that you think you yep. want, but then a lot of the time it's just coming from the issues and things that are driving you to be that way. And then you just go, I actually want that. <laughs> right. No, and this all makes sense. And I think for a lot of my female listeners who are either on the other side of coming out or maybe they're struggling with this piece like, okay, doing some of this kind of work could be very helpful because Maybe you do want to be out of the closet. Maybe you're you're maybe you're questioning your sexuality, but you're focusing on it in an interesting, weird way. Like the end goal is this, okay? I thought I would be really good once I came out, which I was. I was like, okay, wow, this feels really good. But to your point, as soon as I came out, I started losing weight. Not because I'm like, okay, I gotta look like I gotta get a man. I gotta get a man. <laughs> It was more like, okay, I don't have to hide myself any longer. And there was an exuberance that came with this because I, yes, I had released a whole lot of junk off of my mind and everything, but I started to see the beauty of being alive, being excited. And then suddenly I was like, well, yeah, I want to be out and I want to have a guy and everything, but guess what? I want to do something that matters. Yes. And that's when I suddenly was like, yes, the being out was the goal. But now that that's here, I am, I'm queer as hell. Okay. Live with it. <laughs> that was part of it. But there was the other stuff that was still there. Like, well, if you can be that bold and say that and live that and not have any shame around it, what happens if you say there's no shame and going, I don't want to be this high up in, in the marketing branding world. And doing all this stuff. I want to do something that matters to me, that goes to my heart, that goes, ties into my soul. Yes. Is it just, it's really getting back to you, like who you are, what you want, what you need and giving yourself the permission to, to be that person. All right. So I know you have a free masterclass that you offer to people that have listened to this. So all of you have heard this. Did you hear that free masterclass? Um, that Stephanie does. And if somebody wants to find it, what's the best way for them to get? I mean, I've got the link to put on the show notes, ladies. So if, or guys, I know there's going to be some guys like, well, can we do this too? Of course you can. Come on. Yeah. You can learn, learn more, learn more about women. It's not a bad thing. (laughs) Not a bad thing. Trust me. Especially if any of you guys are going to have daughters or anything, please go learn about women. You will be so glad you did. Trust me. Says the data too. Yeah. But um, so if somebody <laughs> wanted to reach out about the masterclass, and then I know you have something else special that you're going to offer to one of my listeners, but um, where's the best places for them to reach out? 
Yep. Um, so the link, yep, is the perfect place. The masterclass is the, the right at the top of that page that yep. it'll take you to. Um, yep. But also you can find that same link on my Instagram. It's just underscore the true you underscore. Um, yep. And you can also, yeah, reach out to me via there as well. Yep. So she's going to offer up one person to do her emotional health. Um, what did you call it? Check-in? Yeah. Emo- emotional health check. Okay. And that's something that they they typically pay some good money for. But the first person who reaches out to her and says, I heard you on Rick's Life Uncloseted podcast. She's actually going to give one person that. And she's like, I could give that away to your listeners. I'm like, no, 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 you don't want to do that. You do not want to do that. You would be giving away a lot of stuff probably. So, but the first person, we do this all the time. We offer something up and I appreciate you offering to do both of those things, Stephanie. And for sharing your truth, your story, your life, and um, giving us some insight to how we can literally like move out of these trauma-filled spaces that we live in. And for my audience who lives through a lot of trauma of coming out and learning to be themselves, I'm quite sure that this message resonated with a whole lot of them. And um, I appreciate appreciate you taking time out of your day, which her day is just getting started. I am not feeling sorry for her one moment because (laughs) my day is done. And I still got to do another podcast after this one, but um, it's been great having you on the podcast. I'm so glad we connected. I'm so glad you um, reached out. And in the future, if there's anything else you'd like to share and new stuff that comes out, please make sure you reach back out and we will see if we can't get you back on again. So thank you so thank much. Thank you so much for having me. It was so great. And anyone else out there that's listening, just don't feel that you need to hide behind anything and there's people out there that will accept and love you even if you don't look around and think that anyone in your life currently will there's beautiful people out there um, and you are loved and worthy hiding behind anything doesn't work I I do a thing on stage where I, I will bring somebody up on stage and we're talking about what they feel like they're hiding I'm like okay well cool so why don't you get behind me and let's talk about what you're hiding there they start telling me stuff and then I'll move a couple of steps and, and they're like, and I'm like, well, you, you need to move with me when we do this. And of course the whole point is then I got to start moving more and more. I'm like, you can't keep hiding. I'm going to keep moving. Your life is going to keep moving. If you keep trying to hide behind what you think you're hiding behind, eventually it's going to move and you're not, you're going to be fully exposed. And so of course, as I'm doing this, I finally turn around. I'm like, take your clothes off. I'm going to really expose you now. Of course it's all a joke, right? <laughs> But um, I'm like, do you get the point now? And it's a really powerful exercise to do on stage with people because you move a little bit that first time. And it's interesting. Most people will move with me because I've kind of set it up like, okay, we're it's just you and just pretend it's just you and I on stage here. You're going to stand behind me. I'm going to protect you. None of these people can now see you. You're going to hide all your little truths and you're just going to like kind of whisper. Of course, I don't have the microphone back there. I'm listening to what they say. And and I'm like, and, you know, I want you to stay with me. Whatever happens, just keep staying with me because I'm hiding you. I'm hiding you. And so the first couple of times, usually they move. But then when I start, I'm a big guy. I start taking big steps and I start moving very quickly. And I'm like, you can't keep hiding behind me. It's not going to work. It's such a beautiful exercise and it creates a great moment for them as well as the audience. So um, I'm glad you brought that. that up at the very end. But um, again, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time and for being a light in the world. I truly appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. And I think that really just shows that it's a conscious thing. They're consciously choosing to to hide or not. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, yeah, you can choose, you can make a different choice. Absolutely.
Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Stephanie. Really appreciate you. Everybody will have all that information on the show notes. Make sure you check it out. And if you want to connect with Stephanie, please do so and let her be a part of your world. So thanks again, Stephanie. Thank you. Bye. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping into living your life uncloseted.